Hello and welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we are analyzing aliens in short, controlled bursts. I'm John Engel. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 83, which begins with Ripley asking Burke if he knows that he's crazy, and ends with Ripley telling Burke that he's not going to sleaze his way, dot, dot, dot. Sleaze his way. Yes, and we'll get to that line directly. Uh, but, but yeah, we begin with, uh, we've gotten kind of this little bit of a sales pitch, right, from from uh, Burke that we had in the last minute where he's trying to tell Ripley, ah, you know, if you play this right, you know, you'll be set up for life. You know, it sounds a little, I mean, we're back to salesman Burke. We know that's what he was, um, at least how he got uh, his way up in the, in the corporate, uh, up the corporate ladder. He definitely has a used car salesman sort of vibe about him. And he's throwing that at Ripley. He's hoping that, okay, she's found out some things about me, but you know, if you're smart, we can all come out of this good. You know, he thinks that's the way everybody thinks. And, uh, of course, the response from Ripley is, what the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> like, I think, too, this is the, in a weird way, this is the thematic heart. If the if the emotional heart is that relationship between Newt and Ripley, which we just had a couple minutes ago, this is that thematic heart that has to do with the, the corporation and yeah. the evil corporation and the lengths that corporations will go uh, to achieve their goal despite people being smashed in the in the in the path of that progress right so we're getting both of the big thematic ideas emotional ideas in this sequence here in the middle of the movie right and and you know if you want to if we want to go all the way back to the origin of the burke ripley relationship go way back to minute whatever i believe it was i believe you were on those minutes i can't remember i was where um we get that two shot maybe you weren't i don't remember who was with me but there's that two shot after Ripley's told him, no way, I'm not going back, leave me alone. And we cut to this two shot of them, right? And I've repeated this multiple times. Like, oh, I felt like that was a way compositionally to tell the audience, yeah, they're they're hooked together. They're tethered together. They're, they're going to be two peas in a pod in a, in a way, like uncomfortable alliance, they're right? two civilians. Yeah, they're two civilians. They're going to be linked together in a certain way. They're going to eat at the same table, all these things that have connected them. So now we're back. Their relationship is coming to a head right now, and we're back to a, a kind of an uncomfortable two-shot. Only this time, instead of them being on equal footing, as we mentioned in the last minute, she's got the dominant position in the frame, right? She's standing over him. He's sitting. Um, but I don't think Burke gets that she's in the dominant position yet. I, I think that when she says, you're crazy, you know that? He smirks in a way that I think he still feels like he's got the upper hand. He's like, you know, he, I think he kind of dismisses that line. He gives this smile, and in the performance, I feel like he feels a little pretty confident still that he's going to have control over the situation. So that's where his, you know, past the used car salesman pitch, this is where his character is at the beginning of the scene, and we're going to get a nice progression, a big transformation, really, of Burke through over this next minute. Yeah, and I would also add, in terms of, not to beat this dead horse about the differences between alien and aliens, but I guess that's what we do, you know, the reveal of the corporation in Alien was really a big surprise. It was just loaded to be this this crazy reveal that comes through both the robot getting his head knocked off and Mother telling them straight up, the crew is expendable, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the surprise of it. It's like so many other things in Aliens, it's not about surprise, it's about suspense. And right. so we know what evil things this corporation is capable of doing. And so when he starts telling her this 
pitch, we're filled with both dread and a sense of, you know, don't, don't do it. Don't listen to him. We know, we know what this, we know how all this works. And so does Ripley. I mean, she doesn't have any fond feelings for the corporation anyway, but I just think it's really interesting how you feel kind of smart and empowered. And yet there's also this great suspense of, oh yeah, this whole corporation thing, it has this agenda and it, it laid such waste to the Nostromo that who knows what this guy's got up his sleeve. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a bit of a, you know, you're talking about, we, we have this feeling of don't listen to them. And I also think we have this feeling of, are you kidding me, man? And I think it's the same thing that she's feeling. It's annoyance at the fact that he's actually, um, we're, we're within the stakes are high life and death stakes are high right now. As the audience, we feel that the movie has built that very well. Obviously Ripley understands that. And now this guy's throwing business jargon out, you know, we're going to all be set for life. We're going to, you know, as the scene progresses, he talks about exclusive rights, contractual crap, you know, and it makes you, and, and, and as the minute goes on, we'll see Ripley becoming more and more annoyed and angered at this, like, fact that he's talking about these things in context with their lives are deeply in danger right now. And he's talking about this shit. So I think we're supposed to feel that too. And we, and knowing that the corporation is like that makes this all kind of hit home. We're like, yeah, this guy is the embodiment of that corporation. He's, I think we're getting the kind of the clarity of his um, um, character. I, I think there, maybe there was a chance that he could have had a turn, you know, at some point, but I think now we're not we're sure. And I think the other thing that makes it work because we have that information and we kind of come into the scene with those, those suspicions and those feelings, it kind of covers up the slightly lame leg in the scene, which is that she gives him all of this information that she supposedly looked up. Yeah. And, and I don't know when she did that. Just now, she said, "I just did," but we just didn't see it. She did yeah, it in between. Did, she did it in between the last scene and now. She got that information from Bishop saying he said this, and she said, "And that's all." Oh we, shit! And that's all we need emotionally to carry us into the next scene. But I'm. But she does. She does say, "I went and looked up all this stuff." Right. right but you don't want that scene. No, I don't. I don't say yeah, I want that yeah. scene. I'm just saying that I. F- I think it's really fascinating how you've got this extra piece of of dialogue mm-hmm. that's that's in there to kind of help further motivate the frustration of Ripley. Yeah. We're already there emotionally because the oh shit moment in the previous scene, when he tells us what Burke wants done. Uh, I just think it's interesting. Like, I don't know whether you, I don't know if I really needed that information, but apparently uh, it keeps, it keeps the movie a little bit ahead of the audience, which is probably a good thing. Um, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird moment. I like it. I think, Two things. One, we've seen her have that exact scene where she goes and gets the information. Right. Like, basically, when she says that, you can picture her sitting at mother again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, we don't need that. We're not going to get the surprise like we've already established. Right. I like that she's throwing evidence at him. Because I think, like I said, when he when she says, you're crazy, you know that, he smirks. I think he still feels good about himself. Yeah. And I think the only kind of language you can use with a guy like this is to throw the book at him. Like... Guess what? I found out this shit about you, man. I mean, I found it out. I saw what you wrote. Which is you're not going to sleaze your way. Right. A lot more interesting than saying, well, Bishop just told me. Exactly. Because like, well, we did just see that and we don't really need to hear that again because we we have that already in our head. Well, not to mention it's somewhat benign or relatively benign to want to keep the face huggers. It's a travesty and a crime to have sent those people out on that mission. Yeah. 
to die, like, or at least without covering your bases and then telling everybody and sending security teams out or whatever it is that would have been the proper uh, chain of events. Uh, Instead, trying to preserve his exclusive rights to um, the the derelict ship, I guess, uh, he sends a family to die and then causes this entire catastrophe to occur. So that's a big, that's a big, big thing, and I think it works really well. I, I and again, I don't want to see her get the information. Neither do you. We all agree that. Yeah. Um, but giving him the fact that she, you know, uh, telling him that she got that information, I think does a lot to crack him. Because now, from from this point on, once this ac- accusation with evidence comes down on him, he knows he's fucked. Yeah. And that's going to change his motivations, as we'll see in later minutes. He's willing to go really far now to, pre- to preserve himself, and she's kind of. Yeah, I mean, she kind of created that maybe a little recklessly, if you think about it. Like, maybe she should have kind of held this closer to her chest. There's no reason to get at him right now. It's not going to change anything uh, for the better, but it does actually end up putting her in danger to have done this. Unless he was already planning on doing that. Well, I guess he was, I mean, I don't know. You're right. Maybe if she would have said, okay, I'll go along with you and we'll get really rich here, he wouldn't have to put her in danger. Or but she never would have found out if, if Bishop had if never Bishop told, her. told her. Yeah. He was hoping, to, yeah. of course, a guy like that's hoping to do everything under the cover of night. He's not wanting to kill anybody. Right. I mean, he's, that takes some kind of you know audacity that he probably doesn't have unless completely pushed into a corner. Yeah. So she, I understand her anger, um, you know, and, and she's an emotional human being. But strategically, you know, maybe you shouldn't have scared the guy. If he's willing to do this stuff and willing to send people to die, maybe he's also, if you paint him in a corner, he's willing to kill you to get out of it. Yeah. So um, it's good setup, though. It, it adds suspense. Like when we leave, you know, I guess we don't really leave Burke um, out of the scene until the next minute. But when we do, we've left uh, somebody who's got to figure some shit out and, and, and is morally, uh, ethically capable Um or incapable of keeping himself from doing whatever that takes, I guess. But yeah, I mean, and again, we're seeing, you know, we talked about in the last minute, we're seeing this scene build. It just watch her in the scene. It's just hilarious. Oh, she's it's amazing. just, she's just, she's, she's just, her breath is intensifying her. I mean, you can just, you can just see her. Like if it was a cartoon, there'd be smoke coming out of her ears. Yeah. And when she goes for him, it's like she lifts him off of his feet, you know? And even if she doesn't, the way it's composed, in the frame, it looks like she's lifted him off yeah. his feet and pinned him to the wall. You know, like she's suddenly, you know, 10 feet tall. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's really, really good. Oh, she hits this tenor of her voice when she's, she's like, those people are dead. Bart. Like it just like, it's a well, just really well executed all the way around. I think he's great when, you know, he's sitting there fairly calm. And when she says, uh, you're responsible for the death of these. You could see his like stomach just drop. Yeah. It's like nausea come over him. And he's like, now wait, and boy, he jumped, jumps right up. It's like that feeling you get when you re- remember something that was really important that for some reason you forgot or whatever. You just get that panic in you. So you like nausea and then panic. And he stands up. And he's like, Oh, I'm got to start pleading my case, but he doesn't really have a leg to stand on. Right. Which is why he's going to have to revert to what all, all he knows. All he knows is the negotiating tactics and, trying to convince someone based on his worldview, I guess, of, hey, exclusive rights, you know, that's really important, don't you think? I mean, what in the world? The exclusive rights line, you can just see it eat, eating at her when there, he spits no, that crap out. There's no out. doubt about, if you look at scenes in terms of wins and loses, she wins this scene. Ah, uh, yeah, she wins this one big time. Yeah. He's definitely, which is great because it's a victory moment for her, so we'll get the reversal later when yeah. 
not that she necessarily loses, but we at least get him take another stab. He's not defeated completely. This is a battle, not the war, whatever. But, um, yeah, she definitely wants this scene, I would say. So I don't know how much I like the line about you're not going to sleaze your way out of this. I don't know. There's something about that line that always struck me as kind of kind of corny. It's a little corny. It's it's 80s. The movies are corny. Yeah. But, you know, it, it sleaze is a pretty good word for him. And that's uh, <laughs> no, true. I, I don't know. I, I go both ways with it. I get what you're saying. It kind of dates the movie, and it's a Cameron-y line. So yeah, right it's away, very, it's very James Cameron line. Yeah. So um, I don't know. We'll put that out there. I'll, I'll do a poll on the Facebook page. Are people pro sleaze your way out or anti sleaze your way? Out? We'll see how everybody thinks about it. Was this before. the same year as RoboCop? No, it was the year before RoboCop. Year before RoboCop. Yeah. So this, so the, the the idea of the evil corporation was really starting to take hold. Oh yeah. In the eighties and continuing through the 90s yeah so yeah well uh, oh i did want to say one of the uh you know whenever there's a, a line that i use from a, from one of these movies i like to call it i definitely will say bad call it was a bad call it oh yeah a bad, call. It's a bad call i'll say it just like that to people and they won't have any idea why most he of the reminded time. me of donald the, trump when he when he said that he said it and then he repeated it and it was just kind of like that's always that's always a tell yeah. That it's a it's a desperate move. Mm-hmm. Like, believe me when I say or repeating something mm-hmm. uh, on both sides, on both sides. You know, it's just like, oh, come on. Really? Yeah. Really? So it didn't work. To me, the, I which... wish Ripley could lift Donald Trump up and <laughs> pin him against the wall. Oh, well, I try not to get too political on the show, but uh, yeah. I just want to see I think it. I'm not, that's not a political statement. That's, just, oh, that's sure. just pure theater. I just like to see it. I mean, that's who all. wouldn't want, I want to see Sigourney Weaver lift multiple people. Up and throw them against the wall. I mean, it would be a yeah, lot of start fun. a list. <laughs> we want to see Sigourney Weaver. It would be off it, the ground. It would be like the reverse of the scene from Airplane, where they're shaking the guy. Instead, it's like one person is lifting everybody, everybody up. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that what I think is going on in Paul Reiser's performance, though. You know, if I'm, I'm going to go so far as to like try to read too much into it. I think when he says the bad call, he realizes that that was a bad call. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it was a bad call. It was a bad... And so he repeats it because that's what you do. When you say something, for whatever reason, as humans, when we say something dumb, a lot of times we'll say it Double again. Down. Yeah. Double down on it. Why not? Exactly. So I think that's what's going on there with it. But it's a great line to me. It's like a bad call. It was a bad call. So that'll be probably the name of the episode. Well, we'll but, finish this scene out tomorrow. Yeah. We've got just a teeny bit left. Just a little bit left. So we'll talk about the rest of it tomorrow. Um, is that all you got then? That's pretty much all I got. It's a beautiful, beautiful single, single take. It's a beautiful one. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for us for minute number 83. Um, come find us at alienminute.com on Instagram at alien minute pod or on, I'm sorry, on Instagram at alien minute podcast or on Twitter at alien minute pod. Um, come over to the T public page, grab a t-shirt if you want, or drop a couple bucks in our virtual tip jar. Okay. Well, we'll see you tomorrow for minute 84.